Welcome to the fifth episode of Easter 2022 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who counts in multiples at fucking five, Logan Saunders. Good fucking afternoon. That is, I think, my favourite Vitam intro ever. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into this, but we are recording this slightly later than we normally do because I've been away this weekend for my, uh, for my granddad's 90th birthday on Saturday. How was it? How was it, Michael? It was surprisingly pleasant. Nobody killed each other, which is nice for my family. There are a lot of um, particularly interesting members of my family, shall we say. So it's uh, it's always fun when we're in the same room. But uh, yeah, everyone had a lovely time and the uh, the weather was very nice, despite the fact it was by the seaside in January. Weather was nice, restrictions are lifted. Yeah, yeah, everyone was, uh, everyone was very much on their best behaviour. But I was sat in, uh, in my, uh, my hotel room on on Sunday watching this episode and just I absolutely howled when Thomas started counting in multiples of fucking five. I don't remember that from I haven't done too many Dutch lessons yet, but I don't remember there being four and then fucking five. Or just fear fear and five five. It's the new version of uh, of one, two, three, four, five, once I caught a fish alive. It's one, two, three, four, fucking five, caught a fucking fish alive. Or or uh, Sesame Street. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ah, fuck it. These are the behind the scenes <laughs> stories you need in these shows. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's what they extrapolate from the whole episode. That's the one point they wanted to make. <laughs> they didn't want to talk about the tasks or who the mole might be. They just want to talk about Thomas dropping the F bomb when he was counting from one to five. It's very rare when I'm doing notes for these episodes that I will go, that is immediately an intro for Michelle, or that is immediately an intro for Logan. But I'm like, that is immediately an intro for Logan as soon as he says the word fucking five. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was a particular delight. And I think I can probably speak for you when I say that this was a significantly better episode than last week. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. and It was definitely a feel-good episode. Production had fair tasks. And the mole refrained from sabotaging one of the most physically demanding challenges they ever, they've ever had on Vidim. Yeah. It was nice for everyone involved, I think, including the viewers, which is which is all I can ask for at the moment. Yeah, I was thinking if they if the mole sabotaged this challenge and made them earn nothing after we had we had Gila who she had to crawl to collect the money. That's how physically spent they were. They didn't even want to stand up. So, previously, the final eight were tricked at a noisy silo challenge before dropping headfirst down a tower to earn money or yokers. In a spot the difference challenge, the Hill and Frazier were distracted and brought in barely any money before Arno was sent home with a yoker in his pocket. And they are still in Vlora. Rick says that everyone is still in shock that Arno went home, presumably with an exemption in his pocket. Are they in shock or are they in floor? They are floored. They are floored. They are floored by the execution. What's what's the deal with having the two dots above the E? Why do we need that? Oh, don't get me started with that, because we did have a semi-listener complaint of the week. Someone um, messaged me on Discord yesterday saying, I do have to pick you up on one thing. You cannot pronounce Belgi properly, because you always say Belgi. It's Belgia. Oh, is it because it has, it has the two dots above the E? Yeah, and also um, the the G letter in... Uh, in Dutch pronunciation, is Oh, it has that glottal, glottal sound. And I replied basically saying, I was wondering when someone was going to pull me up on this. 
I will try and remember to do better, but I cannot promise. Did I tell you about what happened when I did the tour to Transylvania? So I was with a, a, a Belgian couple, and, and <laughs> we were talking about the different different airports around Europe. And then I said, "Oh yeah, with the discount airlines, they they fly into Charleroi Airport." And then they just started howling, saying, "Charlo, Charlo, what?" I'm like, and then I said, "Oh, pardon me, Charleroi, <laughs> Charleroi, not Charleroi." So pardon me from being for being from Canada. <laughs> As a general rule, please feel free to pull us up on these things. But please also know that we are gigantic trolls, and we may do it once and then just go back to saying Belgi, Belgian. <laughs> so it's it's Bel it's Belgia. It's Belgia, Belgia. Yes, I believe. Okay, I remember that. There was actually a pronunciation guide on this message, which, annoyingly, I, w- I would credit you if I had it in my notes, because this is yesterday. It was uh, Sweet Zero on, uh, on Discord. Hey, Michael, just wanted to point out one little detail that's been bugging me about your podcast. It's the way you pronounce Belgia. Given you do mention it every mole podcast, I think it's worth telling you. I mean, you can, of course, just say Belgium, but if you want to do it correctly in Dutch slash Flemish, then you should know that the, uh, the two dots on the E means that you need to pronounce that E separately. So phonetically, in English, it's Belgia. Oh. And it's it's deeply ironic, given that last week I did actually correctly pronounce Weichen, which was the uh, the episode title you refused to pronounce, and nobody has picked up on this yet. When we were we were listing Dutch words that we can uh, remember thanks to Vidum, and one of them that I said was Weichen, which was the episode title you missed, and nobody's pointed out, which I'm disappointed at you all for. Isn't that a drug, Weichen? It probably is. You would know better than I would, given you used to work in a pharmacy. <laughs> And then this episode title, I believe, is called Ketin Reakshi. Why do you do it correctly when it's the easiest ones of the season? (laughs) So I have a 100% success rate. So yeah, Rick says that everyone's still in shock that Arno went home, presumably with an exemption in his pocket. Officially, the most suspicious candidate of the Dutch public after episode one was not the mole, and as a result, no money will be added to the part at the end of the season. Sahil's Joker also went with Arno, but he still has an exemption, as do Frasier and Leticia. And as you correctly pointed out, the episode title is Chain Reaction, or Ketting Reacti, and they wake up early on day nine to the arrival of only one bus. Kim and Healer have been left behind, seemingly. Everyone is still there, Leticia and Thomas appear, but Frazier and Sahil are still missing, and their room is empty. I like how it starts with Kim and Healer are at the bus thinking, oh no, or I, th- I think it was Kim who said, oh, oh fuck, it's already started, and they just panic and start running, thinking nobody else is around. But then they see everyone and, and say, oh, oh, okay, I guess I guess that was a false alarm. Everyone says, yeah, there's, see, there's Letitia there, there's Thomas there. Then they count and realize, oh, wait, we don't have Frazia or Sahil. And then they run into their room. The room is empty. And I think what would be even funnier is when they're picking up the dramatics of, oh, two people are in fact missing. As if we got trolled and they just pan to the right and around the corner. Sahil and Frazier just happened to have a cigarette outside or just got distracted playing, dribbling a soccer ball in the field. And then they come back and say, hey, why are you guys all panicked and sweating and, 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 and breathing heavy? Oh, what gives? And then they all just pile into the van together. I think the reason that they knew something was up was because they don't get filmed getting into the van normally. As soon as you see a cameraman waiting outside the van, you go, something's amiss here. 
No, I'm just I'm just getting B-roll. I'm just I'm just gathering B-roll. Don't pay any attention to me. And Rick texted them on the mole phone on day eight at eight at one p.m. to say he wants to see them before the rest of the group the next day at Divyaka Karavasta National Park. Do you think Rick had any emojis in his text? Oh, he definitely used the aubergine emoji. He was all over the eggplant. <laughs> yeah, he's just sending dick pics through the mole phone. Yeah, and, and then you get a second text going, oops, sorry, that wasn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was for the camera operator. And I know we enjoyed this episode, but I do have to say this. Production chosen divisions can get in the sea. Stop it. Stop it with this stupid thing of the production chosen divisions happening. Yeah, always let the contestants divide themselves or find some sort of criteria such as the piece of cake that was missing a blueberry on purpose. It's it's There has to be some sort of criteria met that causes somebody to be separated from the rest of the group. It's less egregious because it was based on who had the mole phone and who was rooming with them, but still, what would have happened if the person with the mole phone was on their own in that room? Because there were, there were seven people left. That is a possibility that someone who was on their own could have the mole phone and could have been doing this all on their own, basically. Yeah, and they couldn't just wake up one other person since everyone else would be in pairs sharing a room. As much as I have a lot of good things to say about this episode, that is not acceptable. Stop it. Just trust your contestants to be able to divide themselves correctly. Which is funny because that's what they get to do. Five out of the other last six tasks. So we then see a €2,000 maximum for the challenge and the five who are on the bus chained individually at the Caravasta Lagoon. They have 45 minutes for whatever the challenge is and everyone's chains can only reach a certain length and they have to get to a box just too far away for them to reach. Fraser and Sahil then fly over in gliders. They have to aim well and throw bags down to the others, and they get six bags each, and the others need them to free themselves. Thomas and Leticia get their bags quickly, and their bags tell them that their keys are buried close to the post that their chains are attached to. And then, continuing a fun theme from last week, Thomas sings, I got the key, I got the freedom. (laughs) I've got the power. I think that's what he was saying at the end. No, it was... Uh, I got the key, babe. I got the power. Okay. It's a different song. Oh, okay. Well, I could have sworn he he threw and I got the power at the very end of that. So once they free themselves, they have to work out how to make money for the pots. And Thomas works out the hint to the number on his box. Inside is a walkie-talkie and an instruction to relay. The money is towards blue, nine metres from the table. So Hill and Frazier also get a pink bag to throw. That will double the amount that the contestant they throw to can earn. Frazier throws hers to Leticia, and Thomas gets Sir Hill's one. How would you play this as a mole? Where would you want to be? I think I would want to be chained up. Because if I'm the one throwing... If I'm the one that... I guess... Hmm. Let me think about that for one more second before I just start rambling. If I'm the one that's in the plane throwing the bags i guess at the end i could if if too many people couldn't get to the bag at the end i could say well i'm just i just have terrible aim i didn't play baseball when i was younger i i just i'm just a terrible thrower but everyone else could just dig up the key anyway even without the clue there wasn't there wasn't that much space to dig around because they're probably not going to hide it in the water yeah i think the moles best option is to be on the ground rather than in the plane. 
because you can you can control 100% if money goes into the pot or not. Yeah, you can control your 250 euros, but also on top of that, if it's a complete chain, I suppose, if it's a complete chain with the walkie-talkies, you can break that chain immediately. You don't have as much impact, apart from not throwing things accurately, if you're in the glider. That's true. You can not only impact your own your own ability to bring in money, but you can interfere with everyone else's abilities. You can refrain from giving out clues to how many meters they have to walk before they dig up the bag. Uh, you can just be terrible at digging up your own key. And then, of course, you can mess around with the walkie-talkies, too. So way more opportunities to do to sabotage. And then furthermore, you're not really accounted for by everyone else. No one else can really can really see you except, well, except for the pilot throwing the bags, but everyone else can critique your bag-throwing ability if you're the one in the plane saying, well, they could have done a lot better. It shouldn't have been that difficult. But if you're on the ground in the chain and no one can see you, I think you can get away with a lot more. It was directly established in this challenge that nobody could see each other, which sent my, my radar going off, basically. And I would really not be surprised if in five weeks' time we see an image of the mole messing with the walkie-talkies from this challenge. Yeah, it doesn't help that my top two suspects were always in the moliest positions in every task. <laughs> yeah, I think I spotted a direct mole action in this challenge as well. <laughs> so Kim and Letitia both unlock themselves, as does Healer. Kim opens her box to find out that the money is towards green three metres. Healer's is red 6 metres, and Lucetia's is yellow 5 metres. Thomas counts out 5 metres by saying 1, 2, 3, 4, fucking 5. Yeah, two pelicans fly behind a fucking duck, I think, is the riddle they read. And did you notice Kim getting suddenly much filthier halfway through this challenge, before we saw her do the mud bath? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess she must have been... Was she just rolling around the dirt while she was waiting for the bag to drop? And then when she gave up on the key, then she also put more mud on herself? Well, I'm presuming that those scenes aired out of order, but then nobody realised that her arms were really dirty halfway through this challenge, and then she went back to clean, and then we saw her doing her mud bath. Continuity error. I like it. But obviously up until that point, when I was writing my notes, I was going, why is Kim suddenly really dirty? So Sahil flies over and misses Averon completely, and he just starts digging randomly, assuming correctly that all the hints that are going to be thrown down are not personalised. Kim starts digging randomly at three metres, no matter the direction. <laughs> Healer eventually gets through to her and gives her the instruction. And Thomas is the first to dig up a bag of coins, which is worth 250 euros. We then see Kim bathing in the mud, much to the confusion of the water taxi driver. Yeah! <laughs> the water taxi driver's thinking... You know there are leeches in, in that in that muddy water, right, Kim? You're going to be covered in blood, sweat, and tears. And they can only board a water taxi when they have their bag of money. Letitia also finds hers and boards the taxi with Thomas, and hers is also worth 250. And they have to meet Rick at the watchtower in 45 minutes' time. And the last boat is the one with the Vivu sailor. With Thomas's doubler, they earn 750 euros of 2,000 for the challenge. Now. I think there was a mole action here, because it was established that Letitia had a bag thrown to her, and she did reach it. No, I think originally she struggled to reach it, but then she unlocks herself. She didn't pick up that doubler. You think she intentionally avoided a doubler, despite her seeing it come down and being able to easily grab it? 
there is a scene of her getting very close to that doubler and then not being able to reach it, I would be very surprised if she didn't go back and pick it up if she was an actual contestant. Okay, so what would be the scenario if she is an actual contestant that she wouldn't be picking it up? She's just an idiot. (laughs) That's the only reasonable explanation. Or she thinks, well, I already dug up my key. Why do I need to collect another bag? Yeah, but it's a different colored bag. Maybe it was another if she thought it was a different plane that had nothing to do with the challenge. Maybe, but (laughs) it was very, very suspicious that she didn't do that. Yeah, because that's 250 euros being taken out of the pot, and then they they earn 50% of the money possible for the challenge. Because what is the mole's main way to sabotage this challenge? It's either the walkie-talkie, which suspiciously, Letitia's instruction was not passed on correctly. Whoever she was passing on her instruction to did not get their money, because it was Healer onto Thomas, I think, and then Thomas onto Letitia. The mole can also impact it by not collecting a doubler if they are selected by uh, by the glider people to get a doubler. Those are the only two ways. We've also we've talked a lot about Letitia being suspicious the previous week, specifically with the catapult challenge where she was being really lazy with it, excessively lazy where she had no sense of urgency to try and help them earn money for the pot that challenge. Yeah, I feel like Kim is being a super obvious mole candidate. And as a result, the Netherlands really, really suspect her. What? They suspect Kim now? Yeah, oh yeah, really suspect Kim. But she's just eccentric and out there. That's what I mean. That is the archetype that that Renee was last year. They wouldn't do that again, surely. Yeah, I don't, I haven't... Well, I haven't really suspected Kim since, what, episode two or three? I just, I said she was earning too much money and avoided big opportunities to sabotage. I can't remember whether I went into this on Ballas Bar Discord this week, but Letitia has always had final girl energy for me. And what I mean by that is in every horror film, there is a quote-unquote final girl, the last person standing to unmask the killer, whoever they are. I feel like Letitia is either the mole or the winner. There is no middle ground with her. And that's the vibe I'm getting from her. But she has been so subtly suspicious in the past couple of weeks that I cannot shake my suspicion of her. That's what it boils down to for me. Yeah, because she doesn't get called out by the other contestants very often. No. And people, as they're going home, directly say, oh yeah, I don't suspect Letitia at all. It's happened like two or three times this season. Hmm. And what was the deal with Frazier always doing those animal call noises from the plane? That I'm still trying to figure out. She's just practicing to uh, to impersonate a chicken later. <laughs> yeah. she, <laughs> she wanted to rehearse her animal imitation sounds away from the other contestants. I gotta do it till I master it. I'm not gonna perform it until I know I can perfect it. <laughs> and something else interesting about this challenge is the fact that the math does not add up if everyone had 250 euros in their uh, in their bag. There is 250 euros left over. I could see that just being a production error with not being able to do math, where somebody thought, oh, there's four people chained up, and then you have to have the fans say, no, it wasn't four people chained up, it was five people chained up. Yeah, because assuming everyone had 250 euros, it was five people chained up with 250 euros, two of them getting a doubler on that, so another 500 euros potential, so 1750. It's mathematically impossible for them to have... um, for them to have actually been able to make 2,000 euros without someone having a probably 375 euro bag, I'd guess. 
So Rick tells them that they have packed their bags and will be reunited with the others in Saranda. And Healer notices Kim's mud bath and is confused as to why she didn't search during the assignment. Yeah, why are you covered in why are you covered in mud and why do you have a how'd you, where'd you get a tattoo? Where'd you get a new tattoo on your arm from? Was there a tattooist in the swamp that we didn't see? And then Kim also shows up with a new hat and she just says, Oh, I just found it during the task too. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Kim just being a bit of a a kooky old woman rather than the mole right now. I'm trying to figure out the polite way to say it, but I think she's just odd. <laughs> so we get another everybody likes each other scene as they drive towards the next place. And as they get to the hotel, someone sings The Lion Sleeps Tonight, but it's not clear who. I'm guessing it's Letitia. And they, they're taking selfies in the van. And they go from, I can't remember who noted it, but somebody said they went from sleeping in tents in the first episode to being able to stay at a five-star hotel. That was Sahil talking to Efron. Oh, and Sahil has another goofy t-shirt this episode. It was, uh, it was about Girl Scouts. Uh, what was it? Girl Scouts can do anything. Yeah, skipping ahead slightly, Kim, with 26%, is the most suspected person in the Netherlands now. And then it's a drop to Sahil with 18 How are those the top two? They are my bottom two. <laughs> Kim is my second, but kind of by default. Kim, Sahil, and Thomas are my bottom three suspects. Yeah, Thomas is by far bottom now of the final six. Because it goes Kim with 26, Sahil with 18, then Letitia with 17, Averon at 16%, Fraser at 15, and then Thomas at 11. As of when I was watching this episode on Sunday. And everyone wonders where the mole phone is. Yeah, they weren't taking selfies on that. <laughs> yeah, Sahil pulls out the mole phone, takes a selfie, and they said, hey... Where the hell did you get that? Oh shit, wrong phone. I didn't mean to do that, guys. And Sahil, like the little shit that he is, picked it up, stole it from Frazier, and didn't sell it. Because <laughs> he wants the advantage that it's inevitably going to come from it. And given that Letitia gives me final girl energy, Sahil is giving me Iron Lubeck energy. Because, do you remember in... We must have talked about this when uh, when you were watching Japan, but Iron was by far the most suspected candidate in the Netherlands. Everybody suspected Iron. So when he, spoilers, went home in fifth, it caused shockwaves. People were gobsmacked that Iron lost. Did they have a national day of mourning in the Netherlands because of that? Oh yeah, it was black armbands and everything. The flagpoles are lowered to half-mast. I would be shocked if the hill does not go home in like fifth place. Maybe fourth. It's tricky because we have so many green exemptions left in play. You've kind of got to assume that people have worked out the maths and gone, there's not going to be any non-eliminations in this season. I need to start playing it soon. By the sound of things, they can only play it up to like final five, final six. So we will get loads of exemptions probably next week, the week after, and then that'll be it. Yeah, there are three people with exemptions, right? Yeah, because it's Frazier, Sahil, and Letitia who've got exemptions. And they all chose not to play it this round. That's getting to be pretty gutsy when you're down to when you're down to seven people. Yeah, there's two scenarios I can see happening. Either Rick offers them money to give back any exemptions left in the game as a group, or alternatively, they factor in a non-elimination and say if someone uses an exemption and they were meant to have the red screen, then everyone's safe through the next round. Yeah, I wish some rules were a bit more consistent with the. Uh... 
how the green screen twist works. Yeah. I can't see them not factoring something in soon with that. Because half of the people left in the final six have got exemptions. And they have to be played in, I think it's the next two rounds. Can you imagine if it was final five and then all three exemptions get played and then you have them all be one of the two people without the exemptions, so one person goes home by default and got a perfect score on the quiz? You mean a Euron situation? <laughs> or a Josh situation? A Josh situation more so, yeah. Given that Josh was 100% on to Renee last year and still went home because because Splinter beat him in, in their head-to-head quiz. So they begin day 10 in Saranda. The mole phone has gone missing, so he'll pick it up like the little shit he is. And they meet Rick at Lake Buttrint. There are swan inflatables on the lake, and it is scored with Swan Lake for maximum subtlety. And there, are, there is the Harry Potter soundtrack playing. I thought it was Harry Potter. It's definitely the Harry Potter soundtrack. <laughs> they do love a movie soundtrack in, uh, in Vidim. We pick up on this occasionally, but they love a movie soundtrack. Because they used Harry Potter in the Japan premiere, I think, as well. That's the most notable one for me. Yeah, that, that soundtrack from Harry Potter I've heard so many times because of the Harry Potter scene at DVD board game that I used to play when I was younger. <laughs> so they have to get into the water in pairs and find swans with facts about them attached to their necks. And they have to then bring those inflatable swans back in, attached to a water bike. The seventh person has to find the swans with the mounts on them, which added together will be the value per correct fact. Rick also specifically tells them, do not stay together because you will lose this challenge. Good advice. The host usually doesn't tell you how to maximize uh, your ability to succeed at a challenge. Because he could have easily just said, nah, you guys do whatever you want. I'm not guiding you whatsoever. It's good advice, but my one problem with it is the fact that it does really feel like the mole was going to do a big sabotage there and Rick was just saying that to go, oh yeah, don't pay attention to who the mole is. (laughs) They have something to do here. So yeah, I'm inherently suspicious of production in any form saying... Yeah, don't stay together. Make sure you split up in this challenge. Who was born in Kinshasa, Democratic Republic of the Congo? That's Thomas. That was Thomas? He doesn't look Congolese to me. I'm very surprised we didn't discuss this in the premiere, but this is by far the most diverse cast ever in Vidim history. Um, because obviously there are a lot of um, a lot of non-white candidates anyway, but then Thomas was born in, uh, in Kinshasa. I can't remember the story behind him being born in Kinshasa. I think, uh, I think he might have been a uh, an army brat. Yeah, I was I was thinking the the United Nations has a lot of bases around the Congo, especially in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. In contrast to the Republic of the Congo, that also reminded me when I was playing trivia, I got really pissed off that we didn't get a point because it asked, oh, which two capital cities are closest in proximity together of any two capital cities in the world? And I wrote, well, Kinshasa and Brazzaville are just separated by that river. They're as close as you can get. So I wrote down Kinshasa and Brazzaville, and they said, oh, no, that's not the correct answer. We're looking for Rome and the Vatican City. And I said, that's a really dumb answer, because Vatican's not really a country. Uh, Thomas's father worked for the Dutch Bible Society. Oh, so as I so they were just doing the usual stuff, build a school, uh, found a church, hang out there for a couple of years. Um, I must have told you about the two quiz questions that always made me laugh whenever I did a pub quiz. 
on the subject of the two closest capital cities, because, yeah, Vatican isn't a capital city, it's a city-state. One of them was when we were on a cruise, we were asked what two countries border Switzerland. There's more than two, isn't it? There are five. Mm -hmm. Um, And she actually tried arguing with us, going, oh yeah, my roommate's from Switzerland, she told me that this answer's correct, and it's like, nah, she's wrong, there are five. But the entire room erupted at that. And the other one was one where I got told to um, to pipe down. Which country celebrates New Year first? Oh, I would assume Samoa or Fiji? Correct, it is Samoa, because they changed their time zone a couple of years ago to be more in line with the US. But the correct, correct in inverted commas, answer that they wanted at work was New Zealand, because there was some islands owned by New Zealand that used to be the correct answer for this in like 2008. And I kicked off, and I was told basically to pipe down Michael. No one cares, even though I was right. And I ended up sending uh, sending the Wikipedia page to to my manager, who was running the quiz at the time, and said basically, "I want my point." <laughs> Not that I'm competitive. Yeah, I tried to. I, I held off on the. I think I can't remember, but I did call them out on the Vatican and Rome one, though. And I said, "No, I'm pretty sure it's Kinshasa and Brazzaville because Vatican's not really a country." Yeah, the Vatican isn't a country. It's the Holy See. It's a city-state in the same way that Monaco isn't. Uh, so they volunteer Thomas to be on his own. Kim and Tahil, Evron and Leticia and Fraser and Healer pair up. They have 30 minutes and there are 3,000 euros on offer. Now, maths-wise, I am assuming that Thomas could have found up to 100 euros and that there were five correct answers for each person. That would work out to be 3,000 euros. So what was that one more time? 100 euros for Thomas to find in total of which he found 57 of them. And for the other six, I reckon there were five five facts for each person, making 3,000 euros. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. There is, there is an interesting formula here. <laughs> In reality, Thomas found 57 of 100 euros, assuming I'm right, and they found 40 correct swans. Yeah, that that one I didn't follow. They said, "Oh, they found Thomas found this, and you guys found that for the facts." So somehow that combines for seven hundred ninety-eight euros. And then while I'm trying to, while I'm watching the episode, I'm trying to compute that. And then Rick says, "Oh, and then we're gonna round it up to eight hundred. Yeah, Thomas has to go out and find swans with random amounts on them, presumably adding up to about a hundred. Everyone else has to find their five facts for each person, and then the number of correct facts multiplied by however much Thomas brought in is the amount that they win for this challenge. So Frazier says that she can impersonate a chicken, Leticia says she'd love to talk to herself, and they find a swan saying born in Kinshasa, and they know that that was Thomas. Healer bought slippers that were too small for 250 euros, must be nice. (laughs) I was thinking, wow, that is a gigantic waste of money. Yeah. So Hill says that he enjoys doing the washing up, Thomas manages to fall in while trying to attach a swan. Leticia reluctantly gets into the water to get a swan. What, what is Ding Dong Dutch? Is that the same as Nicky Nicky Nine Doors? Yes. It's known by many, many names. Um, we would say in my area of the UK, Knockador Run. But there's like <laughs> there's like 20 different ways that it's known in the UK alone. <laughs> What's it called in the UK? Knockador Run? Yeah, Knockador Run. That's what we <laughs> just the lit- <laughs> That's what you do. It's a, it's a very little most... name. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone comes with... Con- that would be... You know the Christmas gift exchange game? 
that goes by well white elephant or yankee yankee swap i was thinking they should just rename it to uh everyone everyone puts in a gift and then everyone ends up picking a gift that belong that is someone else's or they might switch <laughs> so i i have just i've just checked the wikipedia for this in Europe alone, the following names are used. Belfast in Northern Ireland, Nicky Nicky Nine Door, Knockdown Ginger, Knockoff Ginger, Bobby Knocking, Knockador Run, uh, Belecher Trecken in the Netherlands, Klingelstreich in Germany, Belekertrek in Belgium, Knock and Nash apparently in the UK, Chicky Melly, Chapdoor Run, Chappy and Chappies in Scotland, Knock and Run in England, Nick Knack in Ireland, and Cherry Knocking. Cherry Knocking? I think that's what you say when someone loses their virginity. Apparently in North America, it's Ding Dong Ditch, Doorbell Ditch, Knock Knock Ginger, Nicky Nicky Nine Door, Ring and Run, and Son de Cris. Oh, that's probably in Quebec. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Knocking, Ding Dong Dash, uh, the Tok Toki, which is the name of the confessional booth in uh, I'm a Celebrity Australia as well, when they go to South Africa. What would it be if you filmed it on TikTok? It would be a TikTok tock tocky. TikTok tock tocky. Man, I cannot say it. TikTok tock tocky. TikTok tock tocky. Anyway, Oof. it's a horrible thing to do to people. Don't do it, children. Uh, yeah, don't encourage. If we'll just educate you on the names of it, but do not follow through with, with being a jackass like that. Yeah. And then another Letitia sabotage here when everyone in Letitia's walkie talkie doesn't work, so they don't hear Frazier call for them. That is the more we always say every season. Whenever there's a walkie-talkie malfunction, that's where the mole is. And here we have everyone and Letitia, my top two suspects for the past couple weeks, and they're the ones where the walkie-talkie doesn't goddamn work. And I'm thinking, why couldn't one of you be on a different boat so I know for sure who the mole is now? Why is it both of you on that boat? I was so close. This was hella suspicious, and the best thing about it is the fact that nobody mentions suspecting either of these people in the test. Yeah, that's the first thing I would point out is, oh, well, there's a walkie-talkie glitch, so that's where my eyes are this week. So that's even more suspicious that editors did not leave in anyone commenting on that. The fact of the matter is, in the test segments, they do edit them slightly to keep us off the correct path, potentially, of who people actually suspect. I think they're now editing out suspicions of Evron and or Letitia, especially Letitia, after the last couple of weeks. What's funny now is that because editors are doing this tactic, it's reverse psychology, where now it's suspicious if editors don't include those suspicions. Yeah. I would be absolutely flawed if nobody has mentioned Letitia in the past couple of weeks. It is very suspicious that I have gone through this list again and nobody suspects anyone who was on that boat. Kim is betting a lot on everyone, apparently, but nobody suspects Letitia, and I don't understand why. It's super suspicious. Yeah, because there was just one throwaway comment last week that said, oh, Letitia was a bit lazy during the catapult challenge. And that's been it. Yeah, that's the only time all season anyone has mentioned Letitia being suspicious, is 
her being a bit lackadaisical in the catapult challenge, which was two weeks ago. One story I want to hear more about is Frazia leaving her pants in the sauna to run away from the cops. That's the ending to a story. I want to hear. I want to hear the what they, the chain of events that led up to that. Well, this one time at band camp. <laughs> And then Kim says she watches friends in bed while eating potato chips. That's the craziest thing she's done in her life. We've also got to talk about the fact that everyone and Leticia miss here. Frazier shouting about checkers and Uno for whoever enjoys checkers and fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's an ideal combination because when you lose at a game of checkers, you flip up the board and say, oh. What the hell was that? That was a cheap move. You want to go? Huh? Huh? Put him up. <laughs> if he wants to throw hands, I'll throw hands. And Frazier then says that chess and checkers are basically the same thing anyway. Oh, that's going to piss off all the chess and checkers players, I'm sure. What? They're not the same thing? Two completely different games. All those fools are playing checkers and I'm playing chess. And Sahil shouts over to Thomas for an 18 euro swan, but when he passes it, it's actually just a 1 euro one. Hella suspicious. And they find out that Averon and Leticia's walkie talkie had its channel changed, and everyone just comes back. Bullshit. The mole changed the channel. The mole is one of those two people. And it's Leticia. And no one knew which one of them stayed up for 55 hours straight. I feel like that's something, if you know the specific number of hours that you stayed up straight, that's a fact that you're not just going to forget a few weeks after production asked you about it. Because then everyone said, oh, well, I made it to 48 hours or 50 hours. Because Sahil wasn't very confident it was him. He said, uh, that might have been me. I could have sworn it was 54 and a half hours, though. So they have to return in time or they don't earn any money. Kim and Sahil check the swans that they pass on the way back. And Thomas rushes back as he's the most important person to get back on time. Everyone gets back on time, and Thomas collected 57 euros, and they got 14 correct ones for a total of 798, rounded up to 800 of 3,000 euros for the challenge. It's not the worst success rate for an episode. No, and it's going to get much better after the final challenge. Much better. So Rick tells them that Albania is a parliamentary republic, but just 30 years ago it was a dictatorship. Over the years it's been ruled by many empires, including the Greek, Roman, Byzantine, and Venetians. In Butrint, they've placed five statues, but they're not in the correct places. They have 45 minutes to swap the statues to their correct places, and as a team, they can either choose to get 200 euros per correct column, or 2,000 euros if everything is correct. What would you do? I would say just do 200 euros per statue. Salvage whatever we can get. It's too much pressure to go all in or nothing on this challenge. Yeah, they've not done a, a choice like this for a while. I really like these these choices, I'll be honest. Yeah, because the mole can try and skew it in another direction. And then you get the arguments of, well, I just want a little bit. And then other people justify, oh, we're confident. We can for sure do this. And then there's the high stakes of, oh, did they make the wrong choice here? Because there's the obvious case of, oh, they go for 2,000 euros. What if they have four out of five statues in the in the right place and completely screw up the final one? or Or three out of five statues. So it's basically a giant logic puzzle. Each pedestal and statue have to swap locations, and the pedestal and statues pair up with symbols, but the statues also have a clue to the location that they need to be in. This isn't going to be a very interesting challenge for us to recap, being perfectly honest. They went for the 2,000 euros. The best thing about it is, of course, everyone and Thomas dropping things. 
Before I, who voted to go for the two thousand euros? Because I I have it listed as a four to three vote. I believe it was Gila. Kim was the driving force. Kim was the driving force to go for two thousand euros. Then it was Gila, uh, Frazia, Frazia. She for sure wanted to just go for a partial amount. I had Gila and Frazia as the one, one, the two people who just wanted to go for a bit of it. And then Sahil also wanted to do partial. No, Sahil wanted to go all in. I think. Maybe it was Letitia. Letitia might have been the other vote for partial because I, I think it was a four to three vote. I was thinking, no, and I noticed that everyone was the last one to vote in that group of seven. I'm thinking, did them all just wait till it was three three and just say, yeah, yeah, let's do two thousand. Let's see if we I can make sure the group burns nothing. <laughs> so Healer and Sahil find a statue pedestal pair that is already correct, but it needs to move to completely the other side of the area. Frazier just grabs a pedestal on her own, no mess in. They realise that the ornament lifted to the church is in the wrong place. It should be in the baptism chapel. Healy gives us the impression that this may have been quite a tough challenge. Then everyone and Thomas break the eagle. Kim is suspicious that it happened to everyone. And all that's left is the pine cone in the basilica. Frazier, Sahil and Healy deliver it with two seconds left. And Rick meets them there and tells them they were perfect apart from the eagle wing and have earned 2,000 euros for the challenge. 3,550 out of 7,000 for the episode, and 9,450 of 38,800 for the season so far, plus 250 euros that Kim hoarded. I also do have to point out that with the 250 euros that Kim hoarded, they are now above the Czechia pots. They have broken the Czechia line. Halfway through the season. Czechia, I believe, was 9,640. I should note, too, that this is another case of production being forgiving towards the contestants because i was thinking oh because they were all worried about the the wing being broken off of the eagle i was thinking imagine if they did all of that and the broken eagle wing turns out to be a mole sabotage after the season is over i think that would have been a really cheap way to keep two thousand euros out of the pot for the contestants so i'm glad in this case they said the core part of the challenge of making sure things were in the right spot. That That's what counted, and that's what got them the 2,000 euros. Yeah. Maybe you could give them a 100 euro penalty for the wing breaking off, but, that'd be, but at least they honoured the whole 2,000. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole who have knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Frazier, Letitia, and Sahil have exemptions left to play, and Frazier, Averon, and Letitia all have a yoker to play. Thomas thinks that no one has any advantages left, but he learned a lot on this one late challenge. He has gone all or nothing on this test. Kim is spreading, but betting a lot on everyone. She thinks Sahil is being too unsubtle, so that makes her suspicious of him. She initially plays a crystal, but then retracts it. Frazier has another yoker and an exemption. At some point, it's stupid if you don't use it, but is that now? She plays a yoker. Everyone is on Kim, as he just can't fathom her. One moment she's calm, and one she's crazy. He plays a yoker. Healer says everyone is going 100% on assignments. She had a bond with Letitia, so she doesn't think it's her. Hella suspicious, because she ends up going home. Letitia hasn't used her exemption yet, but if she's being honest, she thinks she's going to need it in one of the next two episodes, so she plays a yoga instead. So Heal is going down from three suspects to two. He's put 13 questions on Thomas and seven on Kim, but he's saving his exemption. Interestingly, production-wise, this is the first time all season that we have seen two suspicion segments from one person, which was Kim. We saw a little bit of her originally, and then a, a lot of her later. Then Rick tells them that they're over halfway through the adventure, and if they go today, it's not a big shame. It's just unfortunate, especially if you still have an advantage unplayed. 
everyone Frazier and Thomas get green screens before Healer is the one to get red. So all the Yokers got played, but none of the exemptions got played. Yeah, everyone played the Yokers. The one thing I will say that makes me think Averon is not the mole is that when Healer hands over the pot to him, he promises her the missing 250 euro will be found. That has not been a storyline yet in this episode. It was not mentioned in the previously on segment, even though it should have been. And it is obviously going to come back. Which is why I'm thinking that probably Kim ends up going home at some point in the next couple of weeks. And that she then hands over the 250 euros and goes, surprise, it was me. <laughs> Rather than her being the mole. Having said that, she is still one of my two suspects. So next time, flaming torches, boat rides, and archery before paddleboarding in backyard canals, and a light bit of jet ski riding. Who do you suspect? I think I've said a few times this podcast, but I'll go through my order. Everyone is still my number one suspect. Letitia is number two. I th- thought briefly to switch her and everyone as Letitia being number one, everyone being number two. And then a big gap, I had Gila as number three, but of course now she's gone, so that means Frazy is number three, Sahil is four, Kim is five, and Thomas is number six. Thomas is bringing in by far the most money, consistently. <laughs> yeah, it's not Thomas, he's just very entertaining. Uh, my top two suspects are, unsurprisingly, given what I've said this episode, Leticia and Kim, but there is a big gap between those two. And then it probably would be Avron. I don't think it's it's Sahil, Fraser, or Thomas right now. I would be very surprised if it's any of those three. Yeah, I even have it in my word in my word file here. I have a big gap between Letitia and then Gila. <laughs> so it's so really, I really just only have the two suspects. In first suspicions, nobody had Gila at number one or two, which is very good news. Four people: Walter, Bram, Matt, and Kim had her at number three. Bindles, Christopher, and Jack had her at number 10. Natalia is our new leader overall with a score of 22. The absolute minimum you could have is 21, so that's very good. Maximum score is 38, and the lowest out of the three of us taking part in the pool is 30, which is still me, although both you and Michelle do have 31. The overall ranking is now Kim with 2.71 out of 6, Frazier with 2.88, Sahil with 3.41, Everyone with 3.71, Thomas with 406, and Letitia with 4.24. Only Kim and Letitia are now more suspicious to the three of us than the group as a whole. Kim with 26%, Sahil with 18%, and Letitia with 17% are the top three of the Netherlands. Also have to point out both Kim and Letitia went up 5% this week. Averon with 16%, Frazier with 15%, and Thomas with 11% are the bottom three, and Averon went up 4% there. Now the pool. I have alluded to it. Sadly, Healer was in my team, so I'm now down to just one person, which is Frazier. Logan still has Averon, Sahil and Thomas, and Michelle has Leticia and Kim. However, I have not referenced this yet, but in our group chat there was a message posted a few days ago saying a switch had been used. A switch was used, I used it, now Leticia's on my team and Frazier is not. Michelle doesn't know yet, she's going to kill me, but I don't care. So my team is now Letitia, you still have Averon, Sahil and Thomas, and Michelle now has Frazier and Kim. I was tossing and turning about whether to steal Letitia or Kim, because they are my top two, but I'm going, no guts, no glory, Letitia is on my team, Letitia's going to win it for me. Have you got anything else you want to say? I think after all that housekeeping, no, I don't think I have anything else to add. This episode was much, much better than last week's. 
No more, no more screaming in silos. No, no more screaming from me in silos. Last bit of housekeeping, you can, as always, do the Bothers Bar Suspect list each week, run by the wonderful Daniel Peek at the link in our description. It's already there because he posted it nice and early this week. Thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2022 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the newest mall in Albania, who's definitely Letitia. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are TV Warriors. You can emails and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan on Twitter at Logs of Kowaki, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring.